Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson! Lawson! What are you thankful for this morning? Oh, Lyle, look at these tan lines. These thick, like... Lines between red and white. Red, <laughs> red. This is not called a tan line, Lawson. That's called the sunburn. No, no, it's tan, bro. <laughs> it's tan. It's tan. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm super grateful that I spent my day yesterday out in the sun walking Getting around. Sunburned. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But for the sake, but for, for the they cause. say that vitamin D is essential uh-huh. for getting over COVID. That's right. So you. You're doing your thing. I'm getting out there. Yes. The, the reason I was out in the sun is because yesterday we had our first day of O-Week at the uni. So the orientation week, all the new students are coming in and all of the student clubs, including ASOC, Adventist Students on Campus, have set up a booth there it you know on on campus and people are walking through. This year it's like out in the open because they don't want to put it inside. And it's actually so much better. It's like really cool, like open space and people are like walking through and there's live music and all those things. And it's really fun and really awesome, except for the fact that yesterday was like 30 degrees and swelteringly hot, like literally not a cloud in the sky, just absolutely beaming sun. Um, but yeah, it's so funny. I am like, cause I'm not a student at Newcastle Uni. I'm like doing work there, but I'm not a student. So I can't be a part of the student club and I can't run the booth. So I can't be assisting the the guys there who are doing surveys for the people, giving out food, all that kind of thing and signing people up to our club. So what I was doing all day was walking around to every other club, having a conversation with them, signing up to their club and then saying, Hey, do you guys want some ice cold juice? If you go to the ASOC club, that's one of the clubs I'm helping out today. Yeah. Head over there and you can get some juice. And then they'd be like, Oh really? We don't have any drinks here. Can you take us there? And then I'd take them over and then they'd sign up to our club. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so there's the is the clue, guys. You got a blazing hot day. Ice cold drinks is the oh, way. To it go. is the Best way. Witnessing tool you'll ever come across. So I'm sunburnt today, but I'm sunburnt for the cause, Lyle. I'm sunburnt for Christ. So took one for took one for the team. That's right. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Here on The Breakfast Show, as we get into our breakfast show, we are about to have our pentathlon quiz. That means there will be five questions, beginning with 100 points and going up to 500 points. That's right. So beginning easy, getting hard. Lawson, give us our 100-pointer. All right, for 100 points, what storm-related phenomenon is likened to God's voice in the books of Job and John? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And for 100 points, you can win yourself a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker, or you can get those points on the board and continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, what storm-related phenomenon is likened to God's voice in the books of Job and John? There you go. La- last Book, thing books about. written by Job and John. Um, that's what I or said. the books of. The books, that's what I said. The book of John. I said the books of Job and John. Okay. Uh, yeah, right, right. Okay, okay. Just clarifying. Just clarifying. You guys know. Zero four nine one zero. Yeah, they're, obviously they're written by them. That's why they, well, you know, there's some books that weren't written by people who they're named after, like the book of, say, Samuel, but because Samuel wasn't written by Samuel. It was about Samuel. Yeah, and some people write books that are not named after them. Yeah, that's right. But they, they understood. Come on. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call. Call if you know the answer. All right. 
positively different news. I've been doing, okay, and, and I'm going to continue today because this is, this is actually good news. I've been doing lots of Facebook related news lately. Like we looked at the metaverse earlier this week, last week, we looked at the whole like plunge of Facebook stock and what that means for us because it ultimately, the reason Facebook stock plunged is because they're not allowed to track your data anymore. Well, Apple has put a shield in the way of them being able to do that. Go Apple. And even more, this, okay, man, Facebook is starting to slide. Like they're, they're going to really struggle because furthermore, what's going on? So the European Union, um, since 2020 have been arguing with Facebook over legislation. Um, and they're putting their hard foot down. And basically that legislation is that data from Europeans cannot be stored in servers in the US which is a problem for Facebook mm-hmm. because it is a Silicon Valley-based company. Right, but why don't they just buy data storage somewhere in the EU? Because, like, the facility is incredibly expensive. And they're incredibly wealthy. That's right. So you would think that. But they've just said, they've come back and they're like, nope, this is an unnecessary cost. And Facebook have said, we're going to pull Instagram and Facebook and WhatsApp and everything from Europe if you don't let us take your data back to the US. But what Facebook doesn't realize, what Mr. Zuckerberg doesn't realize, is that this is a completely bluff. empty threat. He's called Europe's bluff. But what is Europe's bluff? Okay, think about this. If Facebook pulls from Europe, you know what happens? A startup in Europe... Oh, absolutely. Replaces Facebook. In a heartbeat. It it replaces Facebook, it replaces Instagram, and it replaces WhatsApp. Well, maybe that Chinese one just takes over. What's that Chinese one called? Uh, Are we talking about like... They have have one, I forget what it is. TikTok or like... No, no, something else. I don't know. Just Chinese people use it. Yeah, okay. Well, there's like WeChat is Chinese, but WeChat is WhatsApp, basically. Yeah, that's that's, that's basically WhatsApp, but it's Um, it's like a... They've got a Chinese version like of WeChat of of, of Facebook. So maybe they'll just like, yeah, we'll we'll buy buy, um, some... Some data storage storage in in Europe. In Europe, that's right. That's the the thing. So my brother does data storage for Singapore. Yeah. In Tasmania. So (laughs) what's the problem with doing data storage in Europe? Um, if you're in Silicon Valley, I well, this surely is, there's some fiber running across the Atlantic. It can't be that hard. Yeah, I know, but the, it's like obviously, like the kind of facility that would store the data for Facebook, because Facebook, where Facebook makes money, is data storage. Basically, tracking you, tracking everything that you look at and everything you do, and selling it to advertisers. That is how Facebook makes money. And like their facility within Silicon Valley is like massive and hugely expensive. Um, and so to recreate that in Europe, again, they've seen that as a cost that they don't want to take. And then they've said, oh, yeah, well, we're just going to shut down in Europe. And that's like literally the best thing that could happen Good. to Europe. Good. Because if that happens in Europe, Good. startups will start up. But also, like all of that money will be in Europe, benefiting Europe. So like, oh, man, Facebook here, like they're just they're just taking like bad step after bad step. And then like simultaneously at the same time, like they're being targeted by governments and other large tech, you know, companies that are really expensive, like Apple. So they're just like, they're just everyone's like, you know, target right now. And they're, they're really copying it, which is ultimately like for us sitting here thinking about it, like and, and considering all these things, we're like, we're kind of like, yeah, stop Facebook. <laughs> Come on, why do we need it? We don't like Facebook. So like, oh man. And again, I've said this before. The only reason we use Facebook now in, in our day, like is Marketplace and Messenger. That's it. Because outside of that, it's just 
And and the fact is that if Garbage. Facebook Marketplace disappeared, everyone would just go back to Gumtree. Gumtree, eBay. Yeah. yeah. This is alternatives. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, the only reason people are using mask Marketplace is because people stopped using Gumtree. Gumtree yeah, used right. to work fine before Marketplace. That's right. Still and does. even like you jump, you can still use I'm, you know, I'm, Gumtree. I'm, I'm planning to do a Gumtree purchase today. It's been a while since I've done a Gumtree purchase, but um, yeah. But yeah, we'll follow this one and see what happens. Like, is Facebook is Facebook in in the in the, in the rough waters? I don't think Zuckerberg's going to got too much to worry about. He could retire. Oh, yeah, but like, I'm talking about as a company. You know, of course Zuckerberg could retire, dude. He could just leave right now. If he's if Zuckerberg was like, oh, this is too much of a headache. I'm just going to step out with my 130 million dollars. I don't think it's going to uh, going to affect his life too much. Uh, in other news, uh, in India, they they have uh, this government-backed organization. It's called the Forest Survey of India, and they've reported that in the last uh, two years, they have recovered 2,261 kilometers of forest within India. A quarter of India is made up of forest. 2,200 kilometers is a... of square, you know, kilometerage yeah, right. is, is a Isn't. large amount of forest. Isn't. It's about... It's, a, it's the size... Of it's a, in the US, it, that would be the size of like a medium-sized national park, essentially two thousand two hundred square kilometers. And they've just been going hard planting trees. It, it's been this like glo- uh, not global, but national initiative. Um, and in mo- and it's not just like two thousand two hundred kilometers extending one specific place. Um, but in Adra Pradesh, which is one of the states over there, they've uh, increased by 647 square kilometers. In Tele, Tele, Telangana, they've increased by 200, uh, sorry, 632 square kilometers. And in Odisha, they've increased by 537 square kilometers. So they're just going for it. They're just planting trees. Why isn't China doing this? Um, I mean, these are our two big countries and they're our two big polluters, so why, don't, why doesn't China sort of uh, get on board and like, yeah, let's plant some trees and get rid of some of our pollution? That's right. I think, But I think China is actually involved in doing the exact opposite right now. Yeah, that's what they're, I was thinking too. They're, just, they're, just, they're, just, they're in the, the building boom at the moment. They're just going around building cities. They're, they're not kind of – they're doing literally the opposite. Like they're like deforesting and building cities. So it's not really their thing at the moment. But, yeah, good on India. Ah, uh, Brazil is the place where it really needs to happen, but anyway. Actually, speaking of Brazil, yes. coming into my, my next study, uh, uh, next uh, next story here, there was a study done that showed um, that, like, one of the biggest polluters in rivers right across the world is actually, like, drugs, like pharmaceutical drugs. And they're finding, they're finding traces of everything from paracetamol to caffeine to epilepsy and diabetes medication. Is this because of... Nicotine... Is this because of um, sewage that's running into the rivers? Essentially, yeah. But like, even when it like sewage is, is caught and, and recycled and cleaned out, um, they're finding that like, and these are within freshwater rivers in which they would, you know, get get water from for these countries. Like they would take water from it would be treated and given, but still uh, within that water, they're finding very high amounts of of yeah, pharma- like pharmaceutical uh, prescription. Drugs. The the rivers that fared the worst around the world was Pakistan, Bolivia, and Ethiopia, which makes a lot of sense for them being developing countries. Um, the rivers that fared the best were rivers in Iceland, 
rivers in Norway and rivers in the Amazon rainforest, as you were just talking about Brazil as well. Um, but they've just seen this global problem. Uh, this was this is actually a study conducted by the University of York, and they've gone to all these different places and taken all these different samples, and they have seen a, a real global problem of, of just a, a need to clean up the rivers and put be more intentional about dumping and you know all that all those kinds of things and how we treat sewage as well so yeah i guess looking looking forward hopefully some steps are going to be taken so that you know i i'm not you know drinking water out of the tap and receiving my daily dose of epilepsy medication oh fantastic <laughs> it would um yeah wow <laughs> Um, but good to see these rivers being cleaned up and yeah. good to see some positive things happening in our world. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Here on The Breakfast Show and we're about to go some more serious news before we do. Uh, Lawson, let's give the 200-point clue for our quiz. All right, for 200 points, what does the proverb say is the beginning of wisdom? Simple one there. 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. And for 200 points, you can net yourself an issue of Science Magazine or you can get those points on the board, keep working your way through the quiz. But all you have to do is answer it correctly. 0491 What does the proverb say is the beginning of wisdom? Okay, let's talk about some more serious news this morning. We did say we were going to talk about, uh, let me see, Canada. 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 <laughs> uh, the People's Republic of Canada. Um, let's talk about... Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Okay, so um, it's been interesting to note what's been done. I, I'm sure all of you have seen what is taking place. We're just going to mention it anyway. So um, Justin Trudeau has uh, uh, is in the process of activating emergency powers to override the states. Um with what he calls a national emergency, which, of course, is the uh, truckers' protest that is taking place over there. Yeah. And is stopping a lot of uh, traffic between, you know, in some areas between the United States and Canada. I mean, there's, there's like a lot of roads between Canada and the United States. It is a very big border, and they're just blocking some of the major ones, uh, which is causing some major disruption. And, of course, these are freedom protests because these are truckers that have basically been, you know, put out of business because of the lockdowns and so forth. They're pretty mm. upset about that. And they've been getting a fair bit of crowdfunding to be able to continue to to do their particular protest. Mm. So these emergency powers are pretty full on. Basically, it enables Justin Trudeau to uh, personally take control of the various states' police forces. Okay. So rather than the state being in charge of their own police, Trudeau is now in charge of the police himself. Okay. Um, Not only that, but he is then able to use anti-terrorism financing uh, regulations to close the crowdfunding platforms that are being used to keep these uh, truckers uh, supplied with money. So to do so, of course... You have to actually classify, or by default, you are classifying this protest as being terrorism. So, putting these guys in the same category as you know the people that wiped out the uh, twin towers in mm. New York and stuff like that is pretty full on. Yep. Um, you know, um, on top of that, he is moving to freeze the bank accounts of the truckers themselves. Oh, okay. So he's just going to make them. He's just going to crush these guys. So 
Close the crowdfunding sites using anti-terrorism wild. legislation, so they can't. So it makes it harder to raise them, raise money for them. And then even if they are able to get the information out there, hey, these are my bank accounts. If you want to make a donation here, go for it. We're just going to freeze the bank accounts as well. So basically, just starve these guys out. Now this is interesting. This is pretty dystopian, totalitarian. Is this like a human rights violation. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, yeah the, the the truckers' protest is a pretty full on protest. I will agree with that. Yeah, but it's not you know the violent pillaging bloodshed that we saw you know with the BLM riots for 150 days. Mm. You know, it's it's a different category from that. They're not going around and you know. Um, you know, killing people, beating people up, smashing stuff, mm-hmm. uh, pillaging, you know, businesses, burning places down, all of that kind of thing. It's, it, is, it is, you know, definitely hitting people's back pockets and harming the economy. I guess it's a full-on it's a full on protest. But, yeah, wow, you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind when you elect, you know, these kinds of governments in Canada. What were you expecting to get in return? But... Uh, Dystopian totalitarianism. It, it kind of, you know, you have to look at it within the context of Revelation 13, where the Bible says, you know, that no man can buy or sell except those that have the mark of the beast. And for decades, mm. for, for, you know, for the last, you know, more than 100 years, we have looked at those passages and said human beings in modern Western countries would never do that to other human beings, regardless of the situation. It's just not going to happen. Mm. Well, it is happening, and we can see it happening. We can see how easily it can happen uh, when, you know, you get a majority of people who disagree with something. Mm. Okay, so moving from Canada to California, and it's kind of like Canada, California, and Victoria. They're all kind of ideologically in the same bucket. Um, so, yeah, from the People's Republic of Canada to the People's Republic of California. Oh, wow. Um, a father has just lost custody and access to his child. Okay. Okay, so the background of the story here. Um, his son identifies as female and prefers the pronouns they, them. Mm. Don't really understand they, them, because that is plural, which means that you are more than one person. Well, it's basically when you don't refer as either, right? Like, cause the idea yeah, so is why, 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 uh, why identify as female and why transition to female if you are not female? Or be, uh, like okay, this is my this is my understanding of it. I think they they basically say that I am neither male nor female. So then, why transition? Because they don't want to be male, I guess. So so if you if you don't want to be male, then why tra- why become female? Yeah, what, what is female? <laughs> Define that. That, that there is From no it. definitions, last. This, 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 this is the whole point right here. Mm. Okay, so. Um, in the court case, uh, the father, you know, stood there in the court case and expressed his total unconditional love for his son in the mm. court. Um, but because he opposed his son uh, transitioning and opposed all of the different treatments that were being um, given to his son, he was banned from ever seeing his child again. Um, and banned from opposing the hormone therapy that his child was receiving. Mm. So this is hormone therapy that impairs cognition, it diminishes bone density, um, and causes permanent infertility. And one of the things that he argued was that these are going to be severe uh, detriments to his son, you know, moving into the future, 
and that there you know is significant you know somewhere between 70 and 90% of children who transition then go on to detransition later in life but the damage has already been done and their lives have already been ruined and destroyed and there's kind of nothing you can do to reverse it mm. pointed out that you know this is a child who had a crush on a girl you know in year 5 so why do they need to be transitioning now? Because there's every likelihood that in the future they will want to detransition. Mm. And uh, you know, why does a child? Why would we? Why would we let a child choose to do such you know permanent uh, damage to their body? Uh, you know, in this kind of when when a child doesn't have the ability to give consent. Mm. Uh, now, of course, the father only found out about this when he got a two hundred and nine thousand dollar bill on his medical insurance. Found out that his wife, who is now divorcing him, um, had sent this child off to get transitioned, and he had no idea about it. So you can imagine that this would this was was pretty that uh, is pretty crazy. full on crazy. Now the uh, the judge the judge um oh man the judge really tried to trap this guy, um and asked in the courtroom, do you think that trans being transgender is a sin? Mm. You know, and the judge and and. To quote, the father said, no, of course I don't think it is a sin. So you don't think it is a sin, the judge said. You probably think that uh, this particular, this boy, if they are truly transgender, you would prefer that they would not be transgender because in our society, transgender people are the subject of a lot of a discrimination. Would you agree with that? Notice how the judge, she's putting words in his mouth. Mm. This is total entrapment by the judge. Um. He replied, I agree that transgender people suffer some discrimination and prejudice. I agree with that. Um, And and, and continuing on here, it says, the judge said, it sounds to me that you would prefer that this child, when all is said and done, is just going through a phase. The judge said, is that a fair assessment? Father avoided answering the question. He's like, I'm just being judged. I'm just being, I'm just being trapped here. Yeah, just being fed. Just, just, just being, you know, putting, having words put in my mouth, mm. and this is not fair. Now, what happened? What, what, what they've pointed out, since pointed out is that the judge is the mother of a transgender child and failed to recuse, recuse herself from the case because of bias. Mm. The. Uh, California Policy Council has stated that the case should frighten parents right across the country and parental rights now depend on your level of wokeness. He's been banned from ever seeing this that child is again. Insane. No contact allowed with this child whatsoever at all. Oof. This is really terrifying stuff. Anyway, we need to uh, we need to pray about these situations and be very careful with them. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We have never been in a situation more where this has been more important than mm. right now. Mm. Before we go to our interview of the day, we have a... 300 points. 300 pointer. Let's go for it. All right. For 300 points, what daughter of King Saul, Saul became the wife of David for the price of 200 dead Philistines. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer for 300 points. You can win yourself a pocket sermon. Uh, but again, that question was, what daughter of King Saul became the wife of David for the price of 200 dead Philistines? 0491-064-669. Okay. Let's get see if you can get the answer to that one. Joining us on the phone this morning, uh, it's Wednesday, so we get to talk to David Halpert. David, welcome to the show. 
Gentlemen, good morning, and good morning to your listeners. Good to be back. Now, David, uh, something that's been in the news a fair bit recently has been the nurses. They have been, you know, looking for better con- pay and conditions, and you know, just emphasising the level of stress that they're working under. Of course, they are, you know, significantly short-staffed at the moment. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people who have left the nursing pr- profession over the, um, the the vaccine issue. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I thought we should talk about uh, nurses this morning and you know what they are dealing with. It's a very, very uh, appropriate topic at the moment and uh, the stress that they are under. Uh, to some degree, all of us are feeling some level of it. I, um, I often speak to people and a lot of people have said to me, uh, we're scared to go to the hospital. Uh, we, we hear the news that about patients that are just lying in the waiting room, unable to be seen, very, very sick people. And just imagine someone that is passionate, someone has a heart of passion that is in that kind of work because of those characteristics. And there are many people waiting to be served, but there's just no beds and no staff to manage it. I'm married to a nurse. I've got nurses in my family. And many of them come home and talk about this major frustration of just being exhausted at the end of the day. And sometimes, there have been times that my wife uh, came off um, from night shift and instead of coming home, she rings me up and says, um, I've been asked to do another shift because there's just no one to do that shift. So now we're talking about the potential not only of uh, burning out our uh, a nursing staff through exhaustion, but what is the psychological impact, the um, the burnout rate of those nurses? My, my wife has come to the point where she uh, had to take early retirement. Okay, so this is very close to your heart because you've got somebody, well, you, your wife is a nurse, somebody in your home who is actually, you know, dealing with this. And so you're seeing this firsthand. And, you know, of course, nursing is one of those jobs that is round the clock. You do have to work a shift uh, and you do two shifts back to back. Two shifts back, what's that, a 16-hour day? No, it's, uh, sorry, yes, yes. In our day, but it uh, often they go and go in earlier in order to uh, have a proper handover and help the staff for you know, to fix certain things, get certain patients quickly ready. But it is more than just hours. These nurses, most of these nurses that we have, are in actual fact working not for the money. Yes, we we hear in in the news of pay rise and that kind of thing. Pay cannot motivate nurses. What motivates them is the fact that they have a calling and they know that make they make a difference in people's lives. And there's people that rely on them. And and Lyle, let me put it out here that that is in actual fact the recipe for psychological emotional burnout. The moment that you are committed, the moment that you know that you're making a difference in people's lives, the moment that you know that people are relying on you, you will in actual fact be in the category where you will push, 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 push. Ignore your own danger signs of that your body gives you that you reach a point of burnout because you are so focused, so determined knowing that people rely on you. And sometimes, and I'm not saying that, that this is what's happening in Australia, but sometimes uh, employees can capitalise on that and through that manipulate. Mm. 
Mm. And uh, the, the end is that the, the nurse eventually burns out. Yeah, this is this is pretty serious stuff. And is is this a situation that's getting better or worse in Australia from your experience? Your, you know, I mean, I know it's only anecdotal because you're one person who is married to somebody who is a nurse. But has it gotten worse over the last, you know, couple of years? The um, the nursing staffing we we heard. Uh, yesterday, earlier in the news report, that there was about uh, you know two uh, two hundred people, uh, which is fairly insignificant. The politician said of nursing staff that walked off the job, uh, but then later on we heard a percentage of eight percent. The question is, where is the reality? I uh, talk often with nurses, and uh, I I hear far greater percentages. Just recently, uh, an ambulance person had, uh, had, had said to a patient that phoned them up and said, please, take me to hospital. And the person said, don't go to hospital. You will only lie in waiting. Sometimes there's been reports in the newspapers of people having to lie outside because there's no space inside the hospital where they lie on stretches. And... Um, I, I recognise that this is isolated cases, I hope, but I think that there's an escalation. So for somebody who is in this profession and they're passionate about it, and you know, I do get an impression when I, when I look at the protests that are happening and so forth, that if it wasn't for burnout, the money wouldn't be so much of an issue. Um, but, you know, and, and if they were just sort of happy and satisfied and, 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 you know, they weren't being pushed to do ridiculous hours and so forth... You know, double shifts. I can't imagine how exhausting that is. It's been a long time since I've done a sixteen-hour day. Um, for 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 people who who are passionate about this, how do they actually protect themselves from burnout? Well, uh, just listening to just stepping back a, a second, just listening to the news reports yesterday. One nurse reported that her manager phoned her and said, "Come in," uh, you know. It's not your shift time, but we need you. We don't have enough staff. And she said, I can't. I'm looking after my grandkids. And the manager said, bring them with you. And she said, I can't. I've got a 20-month-old grandchild is the the age of one. She said, bring them in. How do you do your nursing while you have two or three grandkids at your feet having to care for them? It's just become untenable. Uh, And yes, um, I agree with you. A very small percentage of people are motivated by money. We are motivated or demotivated by um, a disproportionate pay. In other words, if one person does exactly the same job as what I do and they get paid more than what I am, uh, that brings dissatisfaction. But nurses are not motivated in their job because of pay. Let me tell you, they pay too little for that. What they are motivated with is the fact that they know is the narrative of this story. And this is one of the key things of highly resilient people. We're talking about resilience, the ability to bounce back in the current scenario. Uh, Highly resilient people are normally people that do not do a job, but they know that they have a calling in other words, there is purpose, there's a reason they are making a difference in people's lives. And that is what motivates our nurses. And as I listened to the reports yesterday on the news, it flashed through 
constantly that we are doing this job because we care for our patients, we care for our fellow staff, we know that we are needed, we're making a difference in people. And and while it is, um, on the one side, a major risk for burnout, on the other side, it is also what actually helps them and helps them to continue. And that is why so many nurses throughout uh COVID-19, and we've been, you know, not just one year, we've been over two years now in it, has maintained their focus and given them the ability to continue to work. But they've reached now the point of burnout. So um, research uh, shows, South Weekend Journey says, that the ability to see one's work as a calling may enhance resilience. This holds true even for people performing uh, journey and Southwick says that performs dirty jobs, for instance, hospital cleaners, those uh, staff nurses that are actually carrying the bedpans around, um, those that actually just doing a job versus those that see their work as a calling, great difference in outcome. Further, the research uh, shows that it is vital to have a narrative. Um, a Christmas lunch, having the family around our table. It is interesting to listen. I've got sister-in-laws that are nurses. I've got a daughter-in-law that's a nurse. My wife is a nurse. Uh, listening to them sharing their stories. Research says if you've got a story, if your life follows a story pattern, you can share that story. All of that carries and helps you to carry through difficult times. But then come the need for sleep, proper nutrition, exercise, and the ability to disconnect. In other words, I come home, I disconnect my focus from my work, and I focus on something else. So what happens when I have a double shift? You don't get a chance to disconnect because all you've got a chance to do is go home, sleep, and then go back to work again. Exactly. And that leads to further problems, for psychological problems and emotional problems for those individuals. And, and this is where spirituality then comes in low, because those that do have, and, and research on resilience shows that those people that actually have a spiritual connection, connection with God, has a spiritual family, can in actual fact disconnect. My wife comes home, and the first thing that she does before she goes to bed, and the first thing she does before she goes to work is she opens the Word of God and she pours herself into that Word of God and she's on her knees talking to God. And she knows that she goes to work with God at her side. Mm, mm. And, you know, obviously you, you, you mentioned this is one of the key factors to building resilience. How much of a difference do you see that in you know the just from you know once again anecdotally, but uh, in your wife compared to other nurses that are in that same situation that don't have any form of spirituality, act, active spirituality in their lives. Look, let's be let's be open and honest this morning and say that nurses actually are waiting when they are going to catch COVID, when they are going to bring COVID back to their own home, to their own family. There's a fear, there's a real risk of that. They are placing themselves in a danger zone, in a war zone. Not only do they place themselves in it, they actually drag their family into that environment as well. 
uh, th- th- that is real for nurses. Um, the fact that my wife has that spiritual contact, that connection with God, uh, gives her that ability to push through all of that, knowing that ultimately all of this is not her control. It's in reality God's control. How many nurses today, they have all the uh, protective gear and they come home after being infected. They work with very, very sick people and very sick COVID people. Uh, And it is that spirituality, knowing that God is still in control of their life, God is their protector, uh, is what motivates them and they can move in. Research says that that is the number one factor in resilience building is spirituality. And And, and this this research is not done by Christians. This research is done by non-Christians that come and make that declaration. And I think this is one of the things that we need to remember about our nurses because we really need to be keeping these guys in prayer uh, at this time, is that, you know, working in protective gear, that's hard work. That You know, they've got a hard job. They work hard as it is already. But by adding protective gear, you've added another layer of stress. You've added another layer of, um, you know, just physically hard work to to the job right there. You, you, you are hot and sweaty and you're wearing all of this stuff that is uncomfortable and it's unnatural. Uh, and, you know, that's just the norm for nursing these days. I would, uh, exactly. And then you still get anxious people or abusive people on top of that in, in the workplace, which then leads nurses eventually to the point where they ask the question, is this all worthwhile? And the narrative that they live with, the narrative that they've dedicated the entire life for to, to make a difference in people's lives brought into question. And so we hear now so many stories of nurses just taking on other jobs, or just resigning, walking off because it's just become too hard. It is time that we pray for our nurses. It is time that we uphold them before God. And I want to suggest that there's any nurses this morning listening in that I want to say to them that we value you. You are making a great difference in people's lives, in our lives. But at the same time, I want to ask our other listeners to uphold our nurses in prayer. David, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this really important subject. Obviously, something that's close to your heart, but something that should be close to all of our hearts because it does affect all of us at some point in our lives. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.